over the last several weeks, we've been looking at what the Bible teaches us about how to grow as followers of Christ and as the church. Uh, We've looked at how that uh, Jesus had certain things in his life that, that he embraced and the church embraced those same things, and so we ought to embrace those same things. So as we've looked at it, we've, we, it's not an exhaustive list. It's not, it's not uh, all that there is, but it was and has been a good beginning for us. We looked at prayer and how that Jesus prayed and how that the church prayed and how we ought to pray, uh, and believing that prayer is one of those ingredients that helps us as followers of Jesus grow, and prayer is uh, an essential ingredient for the church to grow. And we've seen God do amazing and miraculous things. I can't wait to tell you about some of those things in the weeks ahead. The, the, the second quality that we looked at was obedience. And that makes sense. If, if we're going to grow as followers of Jesus, if we're going to grow as a church, then we must be obedient to God. It's, it's not that we do things your way, nor is it that we do things my way, but rather we're doing things God's way. It's what God says that counts, not what I think or even what you feel. It's, it's what God says, and that's the priority, not, not anything else. That's the priority. So that's the way Jesus lived his life. You remember um, when, when, when Paul wrote in Philippians 2, let this mind, this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, yet he uh, made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant and came in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. And, and that needs to be our attitude, the same sacrificial surrender uh, of our lives to, in obedience to God. That's the kind of life that you and I are supposed to live. By the way, a whole world of hurt would be avoided if you and I would just obey God. The church would flourish if we would just obey God. All right, so there's obedience. Then uh, we looked at mission, and mission is really a subset of obedience. If we're going to obey God, then we're going to be on mission. There is no such thing as I'm an obedient child of God, but I never serve the mission that he's given me to serve. That, That is not possible. If you are a follower of Jesus, and you're faithful to him, then you are going to live the mission that he outlines. And, 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 and we saw that Jesus did this when he met the woman at the well of Sychar. In fact, all of his ministry was the mission of bringing uh, rescue to people who are far from God, helping those who are far from God find life. That's what Jesus came to do. And, and, and so he did that with a woman at the well of Sychar in Samaria. And, and, and then we learned and saw how that we can do the same thing, and we must do the same thing, as we looked at Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 last week, and, and many of you this week, I know, I've heard your stories, you've gone up, and like my granny Jenkins, you went up to somebody and says, do you know my Jesus? Have you met my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus, honey? Do you know him? And, and, and what a great way to begin serving God on mission. That's part of our obedience. Now, today, we begin kind of another subset. This is, again, part of obedience. We're going to take a little bit longer on this one. It's called generosity. And generosity, uh, when we talk about generosity, we're talking about generosity of heart, generosity of, of attitude, generosity of spirit, but really, we're talking about generosity of resources, giving. Now, giving is not inconsequential in Scripture. Giving is something that was commanded when God created 
uh, humanity and something that he continued to build into the DNA of those who are faithfully following him and, and, and continues even to this day giving, financially giving uh, in a generous way. That is uh, part of the DNA of who we are as followers of Jesus. Hey, if you remember uh, when we, uh, uh, when we uh, presented our six-month budget, if you remember 2017, we were doing two budgets for 2017, the first six months, and then we'll present the second six months. But when we organized the budget, we organized it around these, uh, uh, these headings. This one was making disciples. We know that we're going to be obedient to God and we will grow as a church and as followers of Christ when we give to make disciples. This is uh, uh, to uh, advance our capacity or expand our capacity. Uh, uh, and, and we know that we're faithfully following Jesus when we support and give to advance our, our, our kingdom capacity, our growth capacity. That, this would include the, the multi-site that we're going to begin in 2017. The plans are on their way, and we're going to have a campus catalyst meeting here in a, a little while, a couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about uh, the details, more details about that multi-site. But that's part of our giving. And then help the hurting, and this is another part of our, uh, of our giving. We know that we're being generous in our giving when we help the hurting. This uh, this symbol is for gathering for worship. It's what we're doing here. It's what we're doing now. It's probably what most of you see the church do. Most of you see the church do this part, whether it's in your life group or uh, whether it's here, we gather for worship. This, we also believe is important. In fact, when you look at the mandates, especially in Paul's letters to the church, he talks continually about the older generation investing in the younger generation. And that's part of the, the mandate. We know that if we're going to grow as a church, it's because we are investing in the next generation. And then finally, this is uh, living the mission globally. It's where we give ourselves to live the mission globally. Uh, I, 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 uh, and, and so what, one of the things I love is when people start leaving when I start talking about giving. It's a, they're not waiting for the end of the message. They're leaving now. Uh, I waited for them to walk outside the door before I said that. Uh, but that's why they were leaving, I know, uh, because I know them. Uh, so, is that bad? This is Facebook Live, too, isn't it? We're family of faith. Let, let me be clear, though. Let me be clear. It would be unfaithful of me as a follower of Jesus and as pastor of this church not to talk clearly and succinctly and faithfully about generous giving. And you are going to be faithful as a follower of Jesus and a member of First Norfolk as you receive God's word about generous giving. And that's part of it. And like it or not, that's the way it is. I didn't write these rules. It's what God's word tells us. And so you've got to deal with God's word. Okay? So as we look at this, we're not going to talk about all these little details uh, today. We're going to begin... Uh, in the simplest way. We're going to look at God says that generous living is something that we need to embrace. That's what he says. He says that throughout Scripture, we're going to begin with Proverbs chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 24 and 25. And we're going to see how that God gives us the biblical principle of generosity and how that that, that the wisdom of generosity leads us, the followers of Jesus, to be generous. Okay? Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. You can read along 
as I read aloud, it's up on the screen. There is one who scatters and yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. As we look at these two verses, now let me just say this about Proverbs. Proverbs is God speaking. Proverbs is not just some some smart person putting down some good advice for us to follow. Proverbs, like every other jot and tittle in Scripture, is God speaking. So these words have the very authority of God speaking, and so we need to embrace them as God's Word. And and so as we look at this, what what we learn from these two verses is the biblical principle that that God shows us, And, and He shows us that those who are wise will be generous. Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and he's giving us wisdom for living and how we as his people are supposed to live. And here's what he says. He says, if you're going to be wise, then you must be generous. Now, when he's talking about generosity here, he's primarily talking about generous with your finances. He's not primarily talking about generosity as it relates to uh, uh, sending good vibes out. He's talking about generosity, a financial resource, okay? Again, I know, I know some of y'all despise this kind of stuff. But if you despise it, it's like somebody come and say, well, you made me feel bad when you preached. I didn't make you feel anything. I, I didn't make you feel that. If you have a hard time with God's word, then take it up with the author. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so it'll get softer here. And by the way, this is a really quick message, unless I get really carried away. Uh, And and, and it really is a really quick message. It really is. I'm not feeling really, really good, and and I don't even know if I'm going to make it to the end. And some of you all going, yes. (laughs) All right. So as we look at this passage, what do we learn? Well, um, before before I get any further, let me just say this. The reason... Being generous is wise is because as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to carry the character of Christ in us. And Christ himself has been generous. The reason generosity is so important and littered throughout Scripture, and we'll see in a couple of weeks how the first church demonstrated and called for generosity and how we've lost the principle of generosity so much in our church, but in church in general, not just our church. But, but, but as we look at, at, at generosity, the reason generosity is so important is because God has been generous with us. Aren't you glad God was generous with you? that he did not determine that he would only give good things to those who deserved it. See, the truth is you didn't deserve any good thing that God gives. Neither do I. But it is because of his love with which he loved us, because he was filled with mercy, because of his kindness, because of his goodness, because of his generosity. He sent Jesus to die on a cross for a sinner like you and me. To die in our place, to be buried, to be raised again so that you and I might have a chance at forgiveness and life. Not only that, but, but God has been generous and continues to be generous with us, his people. 
He provides us our daily bread. He is the good, good father who looks upon us in our need and he helps us so that when we ask or we seek or we knock, God answers. And when we're crying out for bread, he doesn't give us a stone instead. When we're crying out for nourishment for, from, from fish, he, he doesn't give us a snake instead. But rather, he gives us what we need. He is a generous, generous God. He's so generous that he's poured his spirit within us. So that we live in immediate intimacy with the living God. Oh, my soul. God has been generous. Now we, his people, we too, carry the DNA of generosity in our spirit because the spirit of God resides within us. The question is, are we adjusting our life to fit God's character? Are we happy and content living a character outside Living, living a life outside of God's character. See, God's word was given for our instruction so that we could be thoroughly equipped, so that we could be grown up as followers of Jesus. And generosity is part of growing up. So as we look at this passage, there are three simple principles that we learn. It begins uh, that, that generosity mathematics. The reason generosity is wise is because the mathematics of heaven These generosity mathematics we see in verse 24, uh, if I could summarize, he says, there is one who scatters and he'll be made rich or he will increase or he will abound. But there is one who withholds more than what is right and he will be filled with poverty. As you look at this, the the mathematics, the formula, the equation doesn't make sense unless God is part of that equation. See, the equation is you give, you scatter. By the way, the one who scatters in the context here, that's not about good vibes. It's not about good feelings. It's not about uh, 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 good words. When he says scattering, he's talking about money. He's talking about financial stuff. He says the one who scatters, now the picture of scattering is that you're, you're scattering and, and it's liberal and it's, it's generous and it's somewhat indiscriminate. You're just giving it away. You're just throwing it away. You're not evaluating whether that person deserves it or not. Aren't you glad God didn't give us good gifts based upon what we deserved? And God, God looked upon us who did not deserve, do not deserve, still don't deserve his grace and mercy and love, and he still gives generously. And the picture here in this passage is we take on the character of God and we're scattering. And we're, well, I mean, we're just throwing money, just throwing money. I mean, that's, that's the picture. But the mathematics is, is when we're generous like that to honor God, And giving, following his character, the result is we increase. And the increase there is not good feelings or good vibes. I know we're Baptist, and we have a hard time talking about this kind of stuff. But it would be illegitimate for me to deny what the original intent of the author was. When he said the one who scatters increases, he's saying if you are generous with your 
resources, God will give you all the resources that you need and more. The picture of the text is not, if I'm generous, I'm going to feel good about myself. I mean, we'll see that in a moment, but that's not really what this passage, what verse 24 is about. Verse 24 says, you give your stuff, you are generous in your giving, and you do it liberally and generously and almost indiscriminately. You give to the church, you give through the church, you give to those who are in need, and you do that indiscriminately. I mean, just generously, like, like a crazy person. And God responds and says, you'll still increase. You won't have a negative in your checking account. I will take care of you. The other part of the equation is just as certain. You keep more than what is right. And no matter how much you're keeping for yourself, you're going to end up with not enough. I'm keeping, I'm uh, keep more than what is right. Can I just suggest that we've all kept more than what is right? There's not a person here, I don't believe, who has not kept more than what God wants us to keep. You remember when we talk about stewardship, it's that, that all the resources that we have, all the things that, that we have in our possession, they don't belong to us, they belong to God. God is the maker of all things, heaven and earth and all the things that are in them. Everything belongs to God. We're just stewards of, the, of his stuff. And he's given us instruction and he gives us um, uh, insight into how we are to use the resources he's put in our hands. And if you just take the tithe, and I'm not saying that's the end of it. I'm just saying if you just use the tithe as a principle, it, it, that's 10%. And, and so if I believe that what is right is me taking uh, 90% of what I make and putting it for me, and taking 10% of what I make and, and returning it to God through, through, and that's generous giving. So y'all look, yeah, 10%, man, that's generous giving. And so I, I look at that to, to keep back what it, more than what is right is for me to say, well, instead of 10%, I'm going to do five. Or if God says, Eric, I want you to give 3% more than the tithe. For me to do any less than 3% more than the tithe, that, that's being disobedient. You might say, well, I just can't afford to give what God is calling me to give. And I understand that. I've been there too. My goodness, I have three kids in college. What are you talking about? That's not a joke. That's for real. Yes, I, and they're all girls. And I feel obligated to buy my girls everything they ask for. I, I, yeah, I get it. So I understand, oh God, you're asking me to give that? God, I, I just don't know that I can. Here's what the Bible is teaching, and here are the mathematics. When we are faithful to give what God has asked us to give, we're not playing games with God. We're not trying to manipulate people with our giving. We're not trying to, we're not trying to coerce. We're not trying to approve. This isn't about giving to an organization that makes me happy. This is about obedience to God. And when we're obedient to God and give as he calls us to give, and, and we don't withhold more than what is right, we give exactly what he's asking in that moment, we're committing ourselves to this heavenly mathematics. That no matter how much it is, God's going to give me more than I need. But we also believe that the opposite is also true. 
If I withhold more than what I'm supposed to withhold, then I'll never have enough. See, my hope is in you, Lord. We just sang that, right? Do you believe that? See, this, this is really, this is why generosity is so important because it really does get to the base of our faith. It becomes very tangible. Am I living with my hope in God? That he is going to take care of me. That's generosity mathematics. Paul said it similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, and he brings it home to the church. And he says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he says, um, he says, the person who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. It's the principle of reciprocity. As we honor God by giving generously in obedience to him, as we honor God by giving generously in obedience to him, then God himself says, I will make you increase. I'll give you all the money you need. That's what he says. I'll take care of you. But if I determine that I'm going to be disobedient to God and withhold more than what is right, then I'll never have enough. I've lived on that side of the equation too. And I can tell you, you know, most of the time you hear these kind of stories, oh, I gave God, you know, my last dollar bill and he, he blessed me and I never, you know, and, and I, I love those stories. And I, I have to tell the story, well, you know, God told me to give a dollar bill and I gave 50 cents because I wanted to keep 50 cents for myself and go down to the five and dime and buy me a, a pack of uh, red man chewing tobacco. For 50 cents. This when I was in third grade. <laughs> Y'all, it was, it was Williamsburg, Kentucky. Every third grader chewed red man chewing tobacco. <laughs> I, do, I didn't want to give 50 I didn't want to give the dollar bill. I wanted to give the 50 cents because I wanted to save 50 cents to go to get the chewing tobacco. And I can tell you right now that that, that, that has haunted me ever since. It led to a course of action in that day that absolutely debilitated me for all kinds of reasons. I have to tell those type of stories. You know, God's been faithful when I've been obedient. God's been faithful to his word when I've been disobedient. Same thing's true in your life. The reason so y'all get mad when I start talking about money like this is because you're just being disobedient to God, and you don't want to change. I mean, I get that. I do. I understand that. I've been there. I'll be there again. I get that. But again, you got to take it up with him, not me. If you want to take it up with me, that's fine. Just bring your Bible, and we'll talk. Okay? So, generosity mathematics. Thing we, second thing we see in this passage is um, uh, that generosity leads to joy. This is verse 25. He says, he says uh, uh, that, that there is one, uh, there is uh, the generous soul, there is one, uh, the generous soul uh, will be made rich. So, the generous soul will be made rich. Literally, generous soul, two words in the Hebrew language, it, it means the, the person of blessing. So here's the picture. When I'm generous, I'm blessing others. I'm, I'm blessing others. And, and what he says is, when you bless others, you're going to be literally made fat. 
That's the Hebrew word for made rich in the New King James. It means made fat. You're going to get fat. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, if you look, it, it means uh, you're going to be uh, uh, filled up to fullness. Uh, it, there's a context with that word in, in the sacrificial system of, of, of the Hebrews where the fat was laid upon the altar, and as the fat's laid upon the altar, the incense would burn, and, and, and God would, would, would uh, saturate the, the place with his presence, and everyone would be filled with a sense of joy. I think that's what we're looking at here. You're going to be enriched. What does he mean by that? You're going to be enriched with the presence of God. When we are generous, when we bless, when we bless to make disciples or, or to, to, to expand our, our, our capacity or, or help hurting people or gather for worship or invest in the next generation or live the mission globally, when we invest when we give generously in that way, when we give generously by walking down the street, seeing somebody in need, not worrying about whether they're going to spend it on a six-pack of beer, just scatter some, 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 uh, some, some, uh, uh, some generosity their way. When we determine that we're going to be generous with others, even, even as God has been generous with us, we become people of blessing. And the promise from God is that when we are people of blessing, then he will shower us, saturate our soul with his joy, the fullness of joy, because we're honoring him by following in his footsteps. We'll see this in a couple of weeks, but I really do believe that so many people in the church do not have joy in the church because they're not being generous in the church. They're using the resources that God put in their hand not to be obedient and generous, but they're using those resources God put in their hand in order to try to manipulate or coerce or give approval or disapproval about certain things that they like or dislike. God, guys, God never gave you money to do that with the church. That's not the way this works. Actually, I had a person come up to me one time and say, I, I'm telling you right now, I have more than one person, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to stop giving my money to this church. As if that was going to influence me. If it influences me, it makes me do things differently, then I'm nothing better than a man pleaser, and I am definitely not a God pleaser anymore. It's just the way it is. One of the things that got Saul all messed up, not Paul Saul, but Saul who tried to kill David, what got him all messed up is the fact that he was trying to please a bunch of people. He was trying to force God's hand by his own sacrifices, by the things he gave. God's, God's not going to be manipulated like that. When, when we in the church decide that we're going to use the resources that God has put in our hands to dictate or manipulate, please understand that that's not going to lead to joy because that's not being sacrificial or generous. That's being coercive. It, it won't lead to joy. And I think that's one of the reasons why people in the church don't have joy. They're trying to control an organization like they would Kiwanis or the Neighborhood Association. What, well, guys, this isn't 
Kiwanis, and it's not the Neighborhood Association. This is the Holy Bride of Christ. This is the body of God. This, this, this is the people of God. This, that's who we are. This is a supernatural organization brought together by God himself. And when you offend the people and try to manipulate the bride, then what you're doing is you're really trying to manipulate God himself. It's a dangerous place to be. That's why I don't have joy. So generosity leads us to joy. Why? Because we're being obedient to God. We're giving ourselves in a way that that honors him. In Proverbs 14 and Proverbs 19, it says that that when we are generous, we honor God. That's what we're doing. We're honoring God. That leads us to joy. The second part of verse 25 says, and he who waters will himself also be watered. The picture there is uh, if, I'm, if I got a water hose and somebody here has never, I mean, hadn't had a, a, a drink of water in 25 days and they're dying of thirst, and I've got the water hose and I start giving them a drink of water, the, the, the reciprocity, the return on that is that I myself am going to be watered with that same water. And because I'm, I'm watering them, I'm going to be watered with the same water. I'm going to experience satisfaction. The, the, the promise is when I am generous, I'm going to be drenched with contentment. Again, the contentment is more than just I'm doing a good thing for another person. Contentment, satisfaction comes because I am obe- obeying God. I am honoring God. I am following in the footsteps of the God who's been generous with me. I am, I am, I am blessing God who has blessed me. Generosity is wise because when we're generous in obedience to God, he takes care of us. When I'm generous, I experience joy. I experience the enrichment of joy in my life because I'm being obedient to him. And when I'm being generous, I, I feel satisfied. Again, one of the reasons why so many people are dissatisfied with church is because they're not being generous. The thing about generosity is it, it has to come from a heart that seeks not to impress people, but to bring pleasure to God. See, generosity is not about what I do for you primarily. Generosity is primarily what I do for God, and you get to be the recipient of it. Generosity is about my relationship with God before it's about my relationship with anyone else. So that really is where you and I have to deal. It's not, can I give, should I give, why won't I give? It's really not the question. The question is, will I be wise and honor God by being generous? Generosity is a biblical principle that leads to our blessing. But we, you and I, we must commit ourselves to walk 
in that path. And I think one of the reasons why we fail to be generous, I think one of the reasons why, why we fail to be generous to each other or generous in the church is because we fail to remember or to realize how generous God has been with us. So, as we end today's message, I just want to end with kind of a picture from Jesus about how God is generous with us. Can, 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 I, can I tell you a little bit about how generous God's been? You are a sinner and you deserve nothing but hell. But God, in His grace, because of His mercy, generously provided a, you, a way for you and for me to be forgiven our sin. It wasn't some cheap course of action. It was a costly price. God, the Son, became flesh and bone and dwelt among us to build a bridge between us and heaven, between us and God. Guys, that's generosity. You didn't earn that salvation. You didn't earn that forgiveness. You didn't earn a new life. It wasn't something that you procured by, by the act of your will nor by your attendance in a church. God looks at you, and, 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 and if it weren't for Jesus, he'd just see a sinner destined for hell. All the good stuff you see in yourself is filthy rags in the sight of God, right? But God in his mercy, because of his love with which he loved you and me, because of his generosity, he sent Jesus to pave the way, to forgive your sin, to die in your place. Oh, how God has been generous with us. Not only in rescuing us from hell's flame, not only in, in rescuing us from, from, from the emptiness and the, and the lostness of life apart from him, but now as his people, as his children, Jesus teaches us that God is still generous with us. In, in his Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 6 and 7. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus t telling us, he says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Maybe we're not generous because our heart doesn't treasure God the way we profess. Maybe that's what needs to change. It goes on in verse 25. It says, Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one inch to his height? So why do you worry about your, what you're wearing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these. Now if, if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Those are the things that Gentiles seek after. 
Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You see what God is ready to do? He knows your need and he will care, but you've got to give him the glory. You've got to give him the focus of your heart. You've got to be generous as he's shown you how. Down in chapter 7, verse 7, he says, Jesus is still talking. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if his son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How many times have you asked for God and he's provided how many times has he taken care of you? Right now, will you just bow your heads and close your eyes all around the room? Will you just take the time in these moments to think, reflect? How has my God been generous with me? Oh God, you've saved me. You've rescued me. How can I not be generous as you command? When you've been so generous with me, oh God, you've taken care of me. You've given me my daily bread. You've been generous with me even when I've lacked faithfulness to you. Oh God, how can I not be generous when you've been so generous with me? Oh God, I've been trapped in a sea of bitterness or complaint. I've been, I've been trapped in a sea of selfishness. I've only been looking at myself and I've seen uh, how, how I'm not getting what I want, but my focus is all wrong. I haven't been looking at what you've already given. Oh God, forgive me for not being grateful and seeing the generosity that you've given me already. God, let me bless you today. Let me praise you. Spark in my heart a spirit of generosity by reminding me, oh God, by reminding us how you've been generous to your people. Now, God, as we've gathered here and as we worship here, as we, as we lift our voices in praise to you, as we lift our prayers to you, oh, God, will you give us opportunity just to bless your name, to praise you, to honor you for all the blessings you've given us, the magnificence of your benefits to us. Excite generosity in your people today by showing us again your generosity toward us. And may we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.